Hi, uh, welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Catherine, and I work for State of Play Games. And this is yeah, this is Luke, uh, and I also work for State of Play Games. And we developed the puzzle adventure game Loom. Right, and Loom was nominated, I think, for some awards in IGF. Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so Loom was up for excellence in visual arts um, at the IGF um, a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco. And um, we were really pleased a bit to be nominated, weren't we? Yeah, it's, um, it was a bit of an experiment for us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just to explain to people who haven't seen it before, it's, um, it's entirely made out of paper and card, um, which meant rethinking how we went about making games and uh, yeah, we weren't entirely sure how it was going to turn out. So, yeah, to get nominated uh, was kind of the icing on the cake after we yeah. completed it. Yeah. So, so this game for the audience out there, uh, what platforms is it on, and what's the genre that it's in? Um, yeah, the platforms it's on. It's available on Mac, PC, iPhone, and iPad at the moment, and it's um, puzzle adventure genre. Now, you know, you, you mentioned probably one of the reasons why it was nominated for excellence in visual, uh, visual arts, mainly because it was done with paper. So that's, I mean, I've seen games where they've taken shots of clay. And is mm -hmm. this a similar process? Or what's different in, in this case versus the clay aspect or claymation? Um, well, the similarity is that it's using something physical um, to represent the world. Um, however, the difference is that with Loom, we've actually made we've made that move, and I don't think um, that's it's been done in the same way with other other projects. Basically, we've we've made a model, and um, all, all out of paper and card. Uh, we made a set, we designed the architecture, and then we filmed that model set uh, in HD. Uh, and we filmed every move that you could make through that set. Uh, and over the top of that, uh, we overlaid an animated paper character, uh, and that was done. Uh, that was done in Flash. Um, but what it has given it is, uh, yeah, an extra level of involvement and an extra kind of depth. Mm. So, for example, when you're looking at the game, the actual shadows you're seeing. There are actual, you know, actual real shadows. There's, there's no trickery. There's no kind of effects. It's, yeah. you know, if you want the corner to be darker in one, in one scene, you know, that's natural moving a physical light to create that effect. So you get a real kind of beauty that would be really hard to create in any other way. And I think the audience have really taken to that and yeah, enjoyed think, that aspect. Yeah, I think there is that. Um, there's that reali realization sometimes we've seen when people have um, seen it for the first time when it starts to move and it clicks in their head yeah. that actually that's a real model. Yeah, it's often quite a magical moment for people. Yeah, and um, that's re that's really special. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned filming the set in HD. Um, you know, before when I was because uh, I've interviewed some people who have done kind of clay sets, but they've mm -hmm. talked about taking photos. Um, can you talk about this? Um, I guess the videotaping process and how that is that just the next generation or the most effective way now to do it rather than taking photos of the set? Um, 
yeah, I suppose so. Um, it's funny to talk about the next generation of stuff when it feels almost like um, it's stepping backwards and making things in in something an ancient technology. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a strange mix of um, very hands on something that everyone can appeal to and the latest technology that we can use. Um, like for, it's very accessible um, to use HD video now. A lot of people can use HD video. Um, we were fortunate enough to uh, get a good friend of ours who is a cameraman for the BBC who could then, he could, he can use that technology incredibly well. So uh, it's it's not an easy thing to do basically to, yeah. to try to do what we wanted to do, which was to, because um, we, we had to move around the model, uh, but we also had to join up basically where we started and doing that by hand was an incredibly difficult thing to do. Um, I mean, you know, I, I tried it myself, and I couldn't. I couldn't do it. So we had to. Um, we had to have him. Um, it worked really. It worked really well. But it, he managed to give it that tightness, that that perfection, whilst keeping the handheld look to it as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that explains everything. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, for listeners out there who are looking to do this paper and cardboard effect, uh, what what suggestions do you have on, I don't know, I, I mean, making a game in that way? Mm. I mean, is this something you're going to pursue more, or do you feel that you're going to explore other types of visual styles? Um, I think um, it naturally led up to this. I mean, a lot of our other games have had a real kind of handcrafted look to them. We've used things like paper textures, We've drawn things by hand and then placed them within a game. So it kind of it kind of was almost a natural progression for us to try and do a real a real thing. So it's really hard to know how to advise people on this. I mean, for example, you know, just start off small, doing small paper craft things and maybe photographing them and and doing different things with them. I mean, that that's how I'd recommend. But I mean, we we came from a we kind of play to our strengths and our strengths were kind of doing things by hand and just filming them and seeing what they look like. So we kind of went from there to, to create the game. Hmm. Well, I, but I think that makes it quite accessible for people yeah. as well because anyone can create something. There's no reason you have to make these things out of, out of paper and beautifully draw it or anything. You could just use your desktop, for example. Yeah. Um, and if I was to give an, anyone starting out on this, you know, um, you know, an idea of where to begin. It could be that if you, if for example, you want to want to do a platform game, why not as a background use a little photograph of your of your desk or something like that, mm. and you know, do something unexpected. Use the desk upside down. I don't know. Do something interesting like that. Um, but you can still do that with simple game mechanics. And. You know, what's been the response by players when they see this style? Because, you know, it's definitely different than other types of games on iPad and iPhone in terms of visual style. And, and same for desktops, too. Um, I think with us, what amazed us was the kind of emotional attachment people had to the game. I mean, a lot of people talked of a nostalgic kind of um, a reminder of their childhood, which we hadn't really realized when, when we were making it. Um, but that was just really nice to nice to hear. And I think the thing with Loom is that it's a gentle game. You know, it's kind of 
it really kind of um, touches on your emotions and things like that. And it's a relaxing game as well. So people have really reacted to that. And also when people discover how the star was made, they're kind of amazed that, that, um, that it was created like that. But I think through doing that, it's given it a depth that is almost kind of, we didn't consciously go out to create. And um, I think people have discovered it and they, they really love it. So mm -hmm. we're really pleased about that. Uh, yeah, just touching on that. Briefly, I think that that's something that people say. Whenever people have come across it, it's felt like they've discovered it for the first time because it's quite an intimate mm. little project, mm. and um, that's yeah, it's really nice to see. Mm -hmm. And you know, as you've developed games in your studio, I guess what what do you feel? You know, how how is your understanding of game design and making compelling and and fun games changed you know since the beginning uh, up until now you know as you've done these kind of experimental types of visual visual arts and other things within your games mm. i mean every project that we do is an experiment in a way and i think that's probably the best way to be with anything creative if uh, we always try and push it a little further than we know we can achieve mm -hmm. um so in a way yeah it, it's always evolved and we're never I'm not sure that we've ever sort of sat back and assessed exactly how it yeah. has. But I do know that, uh, yeah, you can look at Loom and see it as a culmination of all sorts of things. So, for example, we made a game called Headspin Storybook for iOS previously, which was an interactive pop-up book, uh, which was a puzzle game. And uh, we were really, really pleased with that. Mm. It wasn't made literally out of paper and card, mm. but it was made to look like it. So it was a step along the way... Yeah. Um, but gameplay-wise, that didn't have quite as much story and depth. Mm. And, it, and it, we weren't aiming for it at the time, but what we've taken is that that kind of concept and we built on the looks, and then we've also been able to add depth. So each thing yeah. is building on the... And I think, I think as we've, um, the studio sort of developed, we've, we've also looked at things that aren't necessarily game-related, you know, like... Working on Headspin, um, we were looking at pop-up books and then sort of like puzzle adventure books and things like that. So we were kind of drawing on our past childhood kind of influences and putting these all together to create Loom. Yeah, and um, you know, what platform do you do you prefer? Do you prefer the PC desktop platform for your games, or do you prefer the mobile, like iPhone, iPad type platform? Um, we, I don't well, think there is a preferred platform. No, I, um, I mean, when we built Loom, for example, and Headspin, actually, we'd, we had uh, tablets in mind and phones in mind when we built them, uh, but initially they were, they were both for, um, for PCs. So, we'd, yeah, we're, we're not partisan with things like that. We're kind of, we're happy to see it wherever. Um, and... Yeah, we're, um, we're going to explore more things, multi-touch and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, we're not. We don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and moving forward, what's, can you talk about your next project or um, what experiments you're going to be doing in your next project? Yeah. Yeah, we're currently working on the sequel to Loom. Um, it's sort of like unnamed at the moment. Um, sure. So when we created Loom, it was always sort of thought to be a part part of a larger game. So we're now able to make the larger game and develop the 
history and develop the style and develop so much and, and really kind of explode the loom world really and um, we're really enjoying that process we're working now with architects with graphic illustrations and we're really kind of honing in to to what we want to create mm. for it yeah we're doing the big vision basically of what uh, what we've always wanted mm. to, to make with it which is very really, really exciting mm. for us yeah. and, and we're kind of like go in by the ethos. If we love it, then someone else will love it. And that's kind of how Loom, the original Loom was made. And um, that, that's a great ethos to, for anyone to make any game. So, yeah. Um, well, so in this upcoming game, is it going to be, you know, you said it's going to be a sequel. Are you going to, like, are there any specific experiments that you're going to try maybe differently now? Or are you going to, now that you've got the process down, for that style, do you feel it's more about just um, adding more content in this next game? Uh, we're still going to be <clears throat> experimental, um, but it's nice. <clears throat> excuse me. It's nice to be to have a good grounding in what we want to achieve. I think. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, but yeah, almost. Every, I think with every scene that we're thinking of with this with this next project, we want something. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Uh, something incredible with it. We mm -hmm. want something that we haven't seen before and that yeah. we hope other people haven't seen before. Um, and so you'll see a lot more. Uh, well, I can't say too much at the moment, but we'll, yeah. we'll see moving backgrounds yeah, yeah. and we'll see all sorts of other things that we, we don't actually know are possible, <laughs> if they're possible yet. Yeah. But we'd love to try. Um, so, and yeah. in terms of kind of the way we're going to film it we're going to use like new technologies and and really kind of push what's possible with the kind of close-up camera moves and and spinning camera things so so we're really kind of what we wanted to do more of with the loom one we're now with the with the original loom we're now kind of really wanting to push that and really push it and we're also being very ruthless with the with the with the scenes and with the story arc, and if mm. something's just not feeling right, and it's like, you it's know, not getting getting as excited. It's, it's not, not getting going excited. In. It's not going in. So we're kind of honing, um, honing into what mm. we really want to create. Yeah. So we're really excited about it. And when do you expect this uh, this new version to be out? The sequel to be out? Ah, uh, <laughs> that's. A, million dollar question at the moment um, <laughs> well we definitely know it's going to be the rest of this year yeah we're looking okay. for december winter um sort of time but i think it's one of those where it's, it's going to be right yeah so yeah. <laughs> we'll, well, we'll, we'll, we'll be yeah. blogging about it and we'll be um yeah we'll tweeting be, and mm, yeah there'll be lots of little things video clips and all sorts mm. that will be going up on our blog Great. um .com, and um yeah you'll be able to find out there okay and, you know, going back to what you said, the great ethos of, you know, making a game that you like to play, that you enjoy, you know, yeah. the experience, do you feel that that's really the best way to do it? Or do you feel that you also need to get feedback and um, playtesting from other players too? Like, how do you balance this concept? Because, you know, I've talked about this with um, some other people, and I guess that works for if you're making a game for an audience that's just like you, but what happens when you're making a game for, say, a different audience? Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe the game that you're making is, you know, definitely for for yourselves. But have you also mm -hmm. focused on making games for different audiences? And how do you then know that, you know, what this is the game that'll actually work for them? If you're just yeah. writing it by your I own. I think, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of tried and tested, uh, tried and tested way of working. 
um, to, to say, right, I want to pitch for this audience, say, teenage audience, and I'm going to focus group it and test it on, on that audience. Um, we, uh, yeah, we tend to think, well, in fact, we don't tend to think of a specific audience mm. like that. And it's not like we get around the problem, but um, if you don't think of a particular audience, it, uh, it means that you can be a little more free thinking in your thoughts. Mm. And we, so, for example, with Loom, if we had like randomly thought, let's say for a teenage audience, we might have thought, <laughs> let's put things in it that appeal to that age group and we could have excluded mm. others. Okay. Um, so, scooping can be great, yeah. and it, it's definitely good with puzzle testing. It was yeah, essential yeah. with Loom, but we gave it to a widespread of people, um, and I think it's quite a broad, a broad age range. Yeah, people it's a universal it. kind of appeal. We know three-year-olds and mm. eight-year-olds that have enjoyed Loom. <laughs> it's nice, yeah. So, but I think you know, like Luke mentioned, it's always you know, for puzzle, you test a puzzle out on someone and they're just not getting it. That's you can't kind of not listen to to your mm. testers. So I think it's about balancing that and and getting, you know, I think when you work instinctual as well, they kind of, um, you know, you, you know, kind of what feels right and what probably mm. doesn't. So. I think also uh, Loom and so a lot of our games in general work on a logic basis, which isn't necessarily. Um, age specific. I mean, I remember being able to play games like Monkey Island when I was 10 years old, and I don't, don't think I could solve everything, but I know that, you know, it's not based on maths ability or, or um, uh, I don't know, the reading age, you don't have to have a degree to do it. It's, uh, and when you, when you do things that are based on sort of more intuitive logic, um, I think you widen your audience like that. And, you know, you were talking about instinct. When you released Loom or when you finished Loom, did you have that sense that, wow, this is an inspiring game for me? Did you feel that it was the most inspiring game you've made up to that date? Or what, what was your feeling intuitively about the game? You know, before it won the accolades and other things. I think, well, as anyone who makes games will tell you, it's like you go... Uh, through mm -hmm. periods of real excitement and <laughs> struggle, and um, and also with the long develop, you know, long development time, it's going to naturally you're going to mm -hmm. fall in and out of love with it. Mm -hmm. yeah. But we kind of always knew. knew yeah, it, was it wouldn't have got special. made unless we loved it. I think, and uh, yeah, there were times when, because it was all untested, where I think we were going, oh, is is this going to work at all? We've no idea. And by which time it was, you know, so far in with. Um, I don't think we would have gone, yeah, gone yeah, back yeah. on it anyway, but I think, yeah. you know, um, yeah, we had that. And it's good to have that because the way that you produce something good, I think, is to be questioning it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, yeah, if you didn't have that, it wouldn't be such a lovely surprise but when I people think, like it. I think we knew it was a special game and the, the awards it, it's been nominated for just, are just really the icing on cake for, for it. Mm. And we're, yeah. we're really proud of it. And we... We, yeah, I think mm. it is. I think it's taught us to trust our intuition yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you, but you also mentioned that, you know, it is important to question the game mm -hmm. as you're developing it or maybe, you know, where it's going. I mean, how do you do that without infusing the project with doubt? Um, you know, how do you balance the fact that you do have to constantly question, see, you know, what, is there a better way? Is it a different way? Stuff like that mm -hmm. versus, you know, 
the fact that you also want to be constructive about your project too. Yeah, I think um, kind of practically wise, you kind of have to not get too attached to something really early on. You know, we prototype before making one like square of the loom set, we'd already had a prototype that we tested and we knew the puzzles work. So I think that really meant that at that point we could easily, we weren't so attached to it that we mm. couldn't change things. Um, it's true. I mean, the, yeah, we, that seemed to work pretty well. With our prototype, which is basically a black and white wireframe, we solved a lot of the problems yeah. where we had all the doubt, a lot of doubt. And, um, yeah, so in that way, it's almost like a safe environment. If something was wrong there, we could go, oh, well, it's just a prototype. It doesn't matter. We'll find yeah, the yeah. idea out there. I think it would have, if we'd have gone and made the model straight away and then mm. had doubts, there's much more at stake yeah. than yeah. that. Then it becomes a bit debilitating. So it's about finding a, pro a process that works. And yeah, like a, pr to, a process yeah. where you're testing stuff, where it's low low cost, low, low investment, yeah, and exactly. then kind of build up certainty as you're experimenting and learning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what would you say then for other indie game developers that are starting their own studio? What have been the top lessons you've learned um, as you've developed games? Mm, good point. I think that one about intuition is a good one. Yeah. Um, that going with your gut instinct is a, uh, uh, is a good one. Um, work with people that you really, really admire and like as and well. Trust. Yep. And also, I think that one of not being too attached really early on, you know, be attached at the end, because obviously you're really, but kind of yeah. like, be, be prepared to, throw to, take, things away. to get feedback early yeah. on, you know. That's the hard, actually, yeah, that's a good point. That's really hard to do, um, yeah. but I think it kind of really will pay pay you back in the long run. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the thing to think that... Um, uh, you you only really ever see the final project from uh, you play a game and you think it's sort of formed and fully formed with you, but there'll be so much that has been left out and gone by the wayside. Yeah. And so, no one else is working in a perfect work. No one else producing yeah. perfection straight away. The so first you shouldn't puzzle expect it of you yourself. come up with yeah. isn't going to be the finished one, and be you know be okay with that. And and um, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned cutting out features. Is that an important part of your game design process? Then, I mean, how how do you balance that? Like, for example, if or did you have to cut out a lot in in Loom? Um, we'll see. I mean, well, I guess it was. It's always been a big, like I mentioned before, it's always been a, a huge game mm. in our heads. Um, so yeah, there was like a huge amount of cutting very early on. But I think in terms of um, yeah, I don't think there was anything that we got really attached to and then felt we had to. No, I think because the, the game, were, the, the idea... were basically bits of puzzles that weren't working that we yeah. had to tweak. Yeah. There were things like where I thought, oh, I've got this puzzle right. Test, you know, and I had Gavin say, test this, and it would be like, this doesn't make any sense, and so I sheepishly go back and have to mm -hmm. change it. And um, and also the other way, you know, we're doing puzzles now for for Loom Two, and there's. Um, there's a puzzle that it's like, oh, it's really, it's really gonna test you this one. I'm really pleased with it, and, and both myself and the architect finished it in like a minute. <laughs> Two minutes. <laughs> I was like, it's fine. It's oh. nice. It's a nice puzzle, but we've finished it, like it. and it was like, okay, we need to make it, you know, up the difficulty level. So, um, 
so yeah there are things or or in that case um you know get rid of it entirely so yeah there are definitely throughout the process things that have changed and and where can listeners then find out more information about the games, you know, and p potentially play them too? Okay, well, uh, you can play, uh, well, you can access Loom from our website, uh, and that's stateofplaygames.com. Okay. Uh, you can find out more about the development of the sequel at stateofplaygames.com forward slash blog. Um, and on our website, you'll also find links to a number of our other games. Uh, which you can a lot of which you can play for free online as well. Mm -hmm. And we're also on Twitter at um, state state of play. By state underscore of underscore play. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And then yeah. on, and if they have an iPhone or iPad, they can just look up Loom L U M. Yeah. That's it. L U M. Okay. L U. Great. Uh, thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.